Morning, everybody. Great to see you. Uh, once upon a time, there was this super stud athlete. He was known as the Iron Horse. Anybody know his name? The Iron Horse. I see one hand up in the back. He played with Babe Ruth. Jesse Owens. No, uh, but excellent guess. He played in 2,130 consecutive baseball games, played for the New York Yankees. Lou, I heard somebody mention it, Lou Gehrig. We have a picture of Lou right here. Here's Lou Gehrig. Um, he was a phenomenal player, powerful player. Okay, his home runs were just towering, like they would, they would launch out of the stadium. It was absolutely incredible. He was called, or actually he was voted, the greatest first baseman in all of baseball. Lou Gehrig was diagnosed with ALS, and that's why today we call it Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. He gave what is known as baseball's Gettysburg Address, where he said in his speech, after he had to retire, he said he is the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Let me tell you a little bit about Lou Gehrig's background. He grew up as a very poor kid in New York City. His father was an alcoholic and often out of work. He had uh, three other siblings, so there was four in the family. All of them died at a young age, and only he survived. His mother was a stable force in the home. And Lou learned at an early age that he had to help her and that he had to suppress his own self-care. He had to suppress his own wants and needs and emotions in order to help out his mother, who he loved dearly. Actually, he ended up living with his parents until he was about 30 years old. That's how attached he was because the father just, you know. And so he was there for his mom at all times. Um, he played 2,130 games, finally beaten out by who? Who, who broke his record? Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken, right up the road here in, uh, in Baltimore. Now, he didn't play in all those games because he was never hurt. Actually, I think he fractured his fingers like 17 times, right? He had the cold and the flu and all kinds of injuries. But the deal is he always put the needs of everybody else, including the team, for, before himself. There was a rookie that came to the New York Yankees. And here now, Lou Gehrig is absolutely famous. And this rookie was sick. And of all things, the managers like were getting on this rookie. Lou Gehrig, the guy who never missed a game, defended the rookie, took the rookie home to his house, put the rookie in his bed at his parents' place. And the great Lou Gehrig slept on the couch because he always put other people before himself. He did not express his own pain, his suffering when he got hurt, he learned to suppress it. Well, I want to come back to that story at the end because it has a really important conclusion. But today we begin a brand new series called Life is Hard, God is Good. Now, I want to say this because pain and suffering and disappointment and broken dreams, like this is a very sensitive topic. There'll be a lot of questions. We're going to take our time with this series. We're going to go really slow. We're only going to focus on one thing today, one very important niche thing. It's the first step towards our healing process, so it's vitally important. But you're going to have a lot of questions out of this. I know I would have a lot of questions out of this. And so uh, what we're going to do here, first of all, is go very slowly. Second of all, the prayer team, we're going to move them. I'm going to explain the walls that you see here on the sides here in just a moment. Prayer team's going to be in the center. I'm going to be down here front if you want to talk about that, if you want to ask questions, or if you, want to, if you want to pray. Now, there's four different locations around the room that there is a wall. 
It is representative. We have recreated the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Let me explain that real quick. You see a picture of the wall here uh, behind us. So the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, as it's called in Jerusalem, is considered one of the holiest sites in the world. The Bible says that the temple... The temple that was destroyed, it was destroyed numerous times. The last time was in AD 70 by the Romans. That, that is where God's very presence meets earth. And so people come from all over the world to this site because the only thing left of the temple is this wall. It has survived for 2,000 years. And people come from all over the world actually to express their grief and pain before God. And many of them do as I did, as many people who traveled with me there did, will write their prayers, will write their pain, will express their grief on a piece of paper and stick it in that wall. I've been to Israel numerous times. This is the one site that I have spent more time at than any other place. Wonderful, special, powerful things happen there. I will come back to this at the end. God loves us so much, everybody, that God gave us an entire book in the Bible the book of Lamentations, in order for us to heal from our pain. Because this world is filled with pain and God gave us an entire book expressly for this purpose so that we could start on the healing path and that's what we're going to do today. The book of Lamentations is all about our emotions when we're going through suffering and pain. And this first step that in the very first words of word of Lamentations covers is critically important. God is going to help us process and heal from the shock of our suffering. Lamentations covers the destruction of the temple in 586 by the Babylonians. It was destroyed again in AD 70. There is no more shocking moment of suffering covered in the Bible than this moment of when the temple was destroyed and the aftermath of that and all the pain and suffering that happened in Jerusalem. There are many, many things. I encourage you. It's only five chapters long. You can read about the suffering and the pain there, but it is powerful. Now, who wrote the book? Jeremiah wrote the book. Now, Jeremiah is no small fry in the Bible. Jeremiah is a major prophet. We're going to read some stuff in a minute. You're going to say, whoa, who's writing this? Like, did Satan step into the Bible and start writing this stuff to God? This, the Bible doesn't say this type of stuff. There's no way the Bible says this stuff. God spoke through his prophet Jeremiah, who wrote the book of Jeremiah, who wrote the book of Kings, and who wrote the book of Lamentations to express the pain and the suffering. Now, Jeremiah, the book Jeremiah, covers the theology behind all the suffering and pain. The book of Kings chronicles for us the history behind it. Lamentations is not interested in that at all. Lamentations has one focus, and that is for us. The very important first step for all of us to heal from suffering and pain is to process the emotional side. And that is what Lamentations is laser focused on. Now, there are three common responses, religious responses, to suffering and pain. I want, I want to show you them real quick up here on the screen. They're very important. Somebody going through suffering, you come up and say, well, there's a bigger plan. Or number two, your suffering is temporary. You know, the bliss of heaven is to come. Or it's not God's fault. Now, listen, everybody. They're, they're, these might be true. They, they're, they're are, they're, there's definitely some truth there, okay? That, that's fine. But if you walk up to somebody who right now is experiencing the shock of suffering in their life, do any of these three things help that person? The answer is absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. And that's why we have the book of Lamentations. These very well are true and might be true and true in different ways in situations, but they don't help. And that's why God gives us the book of Lamentations. Actually, what they do, not only do they not help, but they encourage us to suppress our emotions and our pain. That's what they're doing. Hey, look, God has a bigger plan. Don't be sad. Don't be mad. Don't be angry. God has a bigger plan. They encourage, and yet they are often said. And today we will study, begin this study in the book of Lamentations that says something completely the opposite. That we should express, not suppress, our pain and our suffering. When we suppress our emotions and suffering rather than express it, we are taking a step towards making things worse in our life, not towards making things better. So let's begin this journey. I want to start with the first word of the first verse, it is a loaded Hebrew word. It is aika, and I want to explain what it means. It's just this. Lamentations 1, 1, first word, first verse, simply how. How. That word is so loaded. And with it comes the idea of God. God, how could you do this? How could you treat me this way? How could you, God, reject me this way? This is how God's book on teaching us to work through suffering and pain begins with questioning God how. It's an angry how. It's a mad how. It's a confused how. It's like, what is going on here? How could you do this? Verse number 13 says this. He has sent fire. Who sent fire? God sent fire. God, what what are you talking about, Jeremiah? How could you be writing this? God sent fire? God doesn't send fire. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. God sent fire, and it's burning up my bones. This is critically important. Look at verse number 15. The Lord trampled the people. God doesn't trample people. Oh, no, no, no. God trampled people. It's an emotional response. Forget if it's true or not for right now. Here's what's happening when you're in the shock of suffering and what do you need to do about it? God has given us this book to show us the way out, to show us the way towards healing. Let's move on. What does it say after verse 15? The Lord had no mercy. I thought God is the merciful God. But you know what? That's what it feels like right now. God, you've had no mercy. God's like a raging fire towards me. It goes on to say this. God is attacked like an enemy with a bow and an arrow, killing our loved ones. This is what God has done. It continues. The Lord was like an enemy to me. He left Israel in ruins with its palaces and its fortress destroyed. It continues on. And with everyone in Judah moaning and weeping. It is an emotional response to pain and to suffering and to the shock of trauma. And it is critically important that all of us, because we all suffer pain at some level, that we go through this process. And the first step is to express it to God. The first step is to express pain and suffering to God. Now, suffering, pain, disappointment, trauma broken dreams, very broad spectrum. But what what connects all of these things together is that we don't feel seen or heard. Seen or heard by God, seen or heard by somebody else. Like if somebody really knew me, they wouldn't treat me that way. They've treated me like an object. If God really loved me, he wouldn't treat me that way. We don't feel seen or heard. Famously in the Bible, Psalm 13 says exactly that. How, God, how could you do this to me? How much longer are you going to hide from me? How much longer are you going to forget me? You see, it's we don't feel seen and heard. 
And this is what's going on here. And so we need to express that before God. And this is what Lamentations is really, really all about. We experience suffering. And then we suppress suffering. Like I said, the great three religious responses. Oh, God has a bigger plan. Oh, suppress the suffering. That's right. I just need to, to act like you don't have those emotions. Just, just suppress it. Push it down. This is what's commonly said. God's got it all under control. Push it down. This is what's commonly said. That is not helping. It is contrary to what the Bible says is the path towards our healing and the way that God wants us to go. So we commonly... All of us, on some level, experience suffering, pain, and disappointment. Then we suppress it, particularly in the church. We suppress it, and what happens as a result? We end up multiplying the suffering that is going on on the inside of us. And we are not the people that God has created us to be. Lamentations is modeling for us the importance of expressing our pain to God, getting real with God. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 3. Look what it says here. This is amazing. Even when I shouted and prayed for help... God refused to listen. Let's move on. God was like a bear or a lion waiting in ambush for me. Oh my gosh, are you serious? God dragged me from dragged me from the road and tore me to shreds. God, you did this. Are you allowed to say this kind of thing to God? And yet this is God's word. This is how you're to express it. And it's critically important that you drag me from the road. He tore me to shreds. What do we have next? God took careful aim and shot his arrows straight through my heart. Have you ever been hurt? Of course you have. You ever suffered something? Have you ever said anything even remotely like this to God? Because God says this is the step towards healing. Have you expressed your emotions to God? So what the writer is saying is you carefully aimed your arrow and you shot it straight through my heart. God, how could you do such a thing? What's next? I am a joke to everyone. No one ever stops making fun of me. Let's look at the next. God has turned my life sour. He made me eat, check this out. He made me eat gravel and he rubbed me in the dirt. I cannot find peace or remember happiness. Dozens of times throughout the Bible, the Bible encourages us to cry out to God. Sometimes it's a cry, God, please help me. And sometimes it's a cry, God, how dare you? That's lamentations. Lamentations, God, how dare you do this to me? God, how dare you do this to us? You know, famously, Abraham in the Bible questions God, questions God's justice. Moses comes along, does the same thing. Job comes along, does the same thing. But Lamentations not only questions God's justice, Lamentations questions God's goodness. Straight up. Just like lets it all go. Questions God. God, what are you doing? How could you do this to us? Look at Lamentations 3.43. Look what this one says. You covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You killed and did not spare. Have you ever looked up to heaven at some point and thought, oh my gosh, all I see is anger. Do you picture an angry God? Now, again, that might not be true. But emotionally, when you're experiencing like a punch in the gut from suffering, it's exactly how you feel. Some of, the, some of the times where I've heard people be hurt the most is when well-intentioned people, oftentimes well-intentioned Bible people, will walk up to them in the midst of the shock of suffering and say some trivial response like that 
Don't be mad at God. God's got it under control. It's all good. God's a good God. Everything's working for the best. Oh, I know this terrible thing happened to you, but you know what? It's all good because God has something better in plan. That's not lamentations. Lamentations is, oh my gosh, I'm looking up to heaven and all I see is an angry God. There's an expression of the emotion of the pain that is going on. Look how the book ends. Lamentations chapter five. Why do you always forget us? Remember what I said a moment ago? When we're suffering or pain, we have this feeling deep down at the root of all of it that we are not seen or heard. And this is how Lamentations ends. Why do you always forget us? Have you ever felt that way before? I have. Oh my gosh, where are you, God? You've completely forgotten me. You've completely forgotten us. Why is this happening? And then verse number 21. Bring us back to you. Give us a fresh start. And then this just chilling response or do you despise us now this is riffing off the book of leviticus at the end of leviticus this same word is used a better translation of that word in the hebrew is or do you are you just absolutely disgusted with us like i want you to bring us back and i want you to remember but maybe what the deal is is you're just absolutely disgusted with me you're disgusted you're disgusted with us so much that you don't even want us. There's one singular point today that is critically important, biblically important, everybody, according to Lamentations, that we need to take as a first step that will bring healing to our lives on multiple levels, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, not just mentally, but also physically. And that point is this, we must do this. We must express our pain to God. We have to do it. We have to let all of our emotions out and be completely real with God and express our pain to God just the way it is. That is so contrary to the way I feel. That is so contrary to somehow whatever I picked up when I was raised. It seems very, very odd to me. But here I am studying this book and it's showing us clearly that this is the way. Now I want to circle back to something I said in the beginning. This is really important. And we're going to talk a whole lot more about stuff like this through the series. Remember, this is just the start. But I want to put something out here in the beginning. Remember we talked about Lou Gehrig? Okay. In the 1990s, two neurologists from the Cleveland Clinic presented at a conference and they were talking about ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And they noted something that at a particular clinic where they're involved with, that the intake staff developed without any scientific method, without any scientific method, right? With just a brief interaction, the intake staff or people coming in to find out, do I have Lou Gehrig's disease? What, what, what do I have? What's going on with me? The intake staff who interacted with those people coming in for a very few brief minutes with no testing done whatsoever, predicted almost complete, with complete accuracy, almost to 100%, whether or not that person had ALS or they didn't. And you know how they figured it out? They would write, I am so sorry, on the notes, it's in the files, I am, I am so sorry to say this, this person probably has ALS. They are just way too nice. Or they would write, this person most likely does not have ALS. They are just not nice enough. See, Lou Gehrig was known for pushing down his emotions. And these extra, extra nice people that were coming into this clinic that were predicted almost with a 100% accuracy rate. Those people who were so, so nice, who tend to have Lou Gehrig's disease, are people who pushed, pushed, 
push down their emotions rather than expressing it like Lou Gehrig. Everybody, what we're talking about, about expressing your pain to God today, your disappointment, your broken dreams, your trauma, your suffering, that shock that you're going through, could have a profound effect, not only on you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, but physically as well. America is exploding with autoimmune diseases. And a lot of that connection, what we'll look at in the weeks to come, is a result of people suppressing their emotions, of not letting it out, of not being real. And so today, I just want to highly encourage you to express your pain and your suffering to God, which we'll do in just a moment at these walls. Anybody see the movie uh, Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump people? Oh, it's a great movie. It's just a great movie. Okay. You remember Lieutenant Dan? Lieutenant Dan. Okay, remember Lieutenant Dan? What's the deal with Lieutenant Dan and his family? Everybody, all the, all the men in his family died in war. Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War I, World War II, right? All this, all that. And now you got Lieutenant Dan, and he is in the Vietnam War, and he's out in the battlefield, and he gets his legs blown off, and he's laying there, and he's just waiting to die because he knows that's, that's his destiny to die just like everybody else. But who comes along? You can say it. Forrest Gump comes along. And what does Forrest Gump do? He rescues him. And now Lieutenant Dan is in the hospital, right? Right next to Forrest Gump. And he is so angry. He is outraged. He is suffering. He's hurting. And for the next whatever decade of his life, I mean, he's, he's a full-blown alcoholic. He's angry at everybody. He's angry at the world, right? He's got to live his life. First of all, he didn't die where he's supposed to. That was his glory and honor. And now he's got to live his life without his legs. And then the famous scene where they're down and they're on uh, Gump's shrimp boat. And they're facing a hurricane. And what does Lieutenant Dan do? In the midst of the hurricane, he climbs up to the top of the mast and he rages at God. He just rages, rages. And then the next day, peace. Now, I don't know if anybody was reading the book of Lamentations who had anything to do with that movie. But that's that's what this is about. The peace that comes when we begin to express our pain and suffering to God. Oh, let me conclude with this. Uh, My son has, uh, and if you've been around here a long time, you've heard this. He's, uh, He's in the music business. He's a promoter. And he has a festival. And uh, he's done a lot of things throughout his life, but he's got, he's got this festival and he's worked so hard. He works like 80 hours a week. He's done this for 10 years, working, 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 working. And finally, you know, he has overcome so many battles. And finally, this was the year that things were just going to, they were just going to work, man. They were just going to work. We only needed one thing to happen. And I asked everybody to pray with me on this because everything was set this year. This was the year. This was the year that his life could finally find some peace finally find some peace. I said, please pray for good weather. Please pray. I had everybody. I had my community group pray for weather. Anybody. I'd stop people out in the hall out here in the mall. Please pray for great weather during the festival. Please pray. And I tell you what, the weather was absolutely perfect leading up to the festival. I mean, it was so gorgeous. And then right after the festival, the weather was absolutely gorgeous. The only time the weather was absolutely terrible was during the four days of the festival. Man, I am so heartbroken for my son and what he's gone through. I remember we were leaving the venue after all of this catastrophe. Like the only time the weather was bad was during the festival. That was it. 
And I just looked, I would, this seems so foreign to me. I would never do it before, but I've been studying the book of Lamentations and I've been studying the, all these responses, that negative impact that it has on our health, mentally, physically, emotionally, on and on and on it goes. And I just looked up to heaven and I said, God, you blew it. Man, you blew it big time. I got to tell you, that feels really weird to me. But this is what Lamentations calls us to do. Have you done that to God? Have you expressed your true emotions to God? Because God is asking you to do it because there's the next step in your healing process and in your growing process. When we suppress it and don't express it, we are not participating in everything that God has for us and in our own healing process. All we're doing is multiplying the suffering that is going on on the inside of us. Now listen to what Psalm 32 says. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Do not risk that. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. So let me end with this. We want to show you a picture of the wall. Talked about this at the beginning. This is one of the most holiest sites in the entire world. People come from all over the world to pour out their grief and suffering and pain. This is the last thing left of the temple. Lamentations about the destruction of the temple. This is the last thing left. Is this massive, huge wall in Jerusalem. And people come from all over the world. And what they'll do is what I'm getting ready to do in just a moment. And what I'm going to invite all of you to do in just a moment. Is people will write. I've done Every time I've gone there, I've done this. I've done it when I'm there on trip. I actually do it multiple times. And I'll just pour out my prayers to God. And if there's a point where I need to express suffering or pain or disappointment. People are coming here because their dreams have been broken. And I'll just pour it out to God, just like God's telling me to do. I'll just pour it out to God. And then they'll just roll it up and crumple it up. And they'll just stick it in the holes of this 2,000-year-old wall. They'll stick it there in this most holy site. And I've had people tell me, oh my gosh. I had somebody just tell me this morning, I had a God moment at that wall. So we've recreated the wall. We've got two over here. We've got two over here. Music team's going to play. I'm going to encourage you to find a piece of paper if you'd like to. If you'd like to. I'm going to write mine up here. And then in a few moments, we're going to say, if you'd like to go to the wall, go to the wall. If you want to stop and pray. If you don't want to go to the wall, don't go to the wall. If you want to pray in your seat, whatever you want. And I'll remind you at the end, I'll be here. Prayer team will be here. Let's believe that um, God's going to do a deep work in our lives. It's really needed. So please take it away.